He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Hi, this is Jake Wallace. Welcome you. I'm sorry, I forgot to take my mask off. <laughs> Happy Martin Luther King. No, please leave it on. <laughs> I'm here with Dougie D, my um, <laughs> my media creator. <laughs> so, uh, Happy Martin Luther King Day, everybody. Hello, Dick. Not only is he gone, he's rolled over in his grave because the movement he founded no longer stands for equality, which was his word. Mm. It stands for equity, their word, which is inequality. The whole point of Martin Luther King was to create a colorblind society, a colorblind government, and they are doing the exact opposite of that. Uh, their critical race theory moves away from colorblindness dramatically. Mm. And the very important thing about this is part, part of it is that they're teaching it in schools and stuff like that. But the precedent has been shattered that government does not make laws based on race. Now, I believe the Supreme Court will throw that concept out. Uh, but until they do, we're stuck with it with Biden. So there are government programs now, the Restaurant Relief Fund during the uh, stimulus period, the uh, the allocation of $5 billion of scholarship aid and farm relief to rural communities. Those are programs where the legislation specifically says only people of color can get this. And then, most outrageously, the decision of the New York City hospital system to prioritize uh, anti-COVID medication, therapeutic medication to save people's lives from COVID based upon race, which is absolutely incredible and by itself is a manifestation of how insane CRT is. Well, look, I know Hillary Clinton very, very well. Uh, I first met her in 1977 when we were both 30 years old. And uh, I've worked with her closely from 1977 until 1996, uh, when together we really ran Bill Clinton's life. Uh, not his life, his above-the-neck above the life. <laughs> Below the neck, it was a different story. Okay, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. But, but we, um, I knew her well, and there was a period when I even liked her. Um, and by the way, she changed, not me. Uh, back in Arkansas, she was a centrist, a moderate, who advocated standards for teachers and fire those who fail. When she went to Washington, she just totally morphed into a totally new version of herself. So now she is talking about running for president. And I'm compelled to uh, talk to her and give this message to her. Come back when you grow up, girl. You're still living in a paper doll world. Living ain't easy, loving's twice as tough. So come back, baby. 
come on, you'd think at 74 years old she's grown up, right? Mm. But she's not. She's too old to grow up. <laughs> That's good, Debbie. <laughs> the, um, she, she's not. She's still living in a paper doll world uh, where she's trying to uh, create uh, her Wellesley University ideal of a, of a utopian society. And the result of it is very against what she wants. So let me give you an insight into what Hillary is up to and what her strategy is. Hillary wants to be the sole source supplier of opposition to the left of the Democratic Party. She wants to create uh, the view that she is the only one who can stand up to the ultra-left and give the party sanity and give it a chance at victory, Uh, which is ironic given that she recently postured herself uh, as the uh, as exactly what she's now opposing the ultimate crazy left, but that's that somersault is no challenge for Hillary. Uh, she recognizes that she recognizes that no other prominent Democrat will be willing to take on the left because they're all frightened of it. Whether they're senators and governors who would have to pass through primary elections to get renominated or potential presidential candidates who must win primaries to get the 24 nomination, they all recognize that becoming the anti-left candidate is a recipe for disaster. But Hillary has no such fears. She doesn't have to win any election or any primary for the next year or two. And she realizes that as the dismal failure of the Biden presidency becomes apparent even to the progressive true believers, Biden bashers and critics of his tactics and views of the extreme left will come out of the woodwork. She gets it that becoming the anti-extreme left candidate is the growth industry in the Democratic Party now. Biden will be protected from Democratic criticism until after the 22 elections. The Dems will continue to rally to his side to salvage what they can from the coming midterm debacle. But once Biden leads the Democratic Party into the crushing defeat of losing both houses by good margins, the party will open fire on him. And Harris, by the way, will be one of the casualties. A consensus will develop, as it's already doing in private, that Biden must go. Initially, the movement will take the form of his announcing that he'll only serve one term. But as the country descends into leaderless inflation and then recession, the need for more drastic steps will come into focus. But until November 22, Hillary will be out there warning of the coming disaster and summoning moderates or disillusioned leftists to a banner. Nobody else will dare to walk where she treads. Pete Buttigieg can't do it because he's in the administration. He's got himself a nice sinecure doling out goodies from the various spending plans. Too lucrative a gig to give up and puts him in a great position to collect IOUs to win the 24 nomination. No black candidate can follow suit because they all must support the extreme left. And the progressives like AOC may criticize Biden for incompetence, timidity, or failure to deliver. But they can't follow Hillary's critique of the defects of their underlying programs and positions. 
knocking the left will be Hillary's stick, and she will amass followers each day. The left will have no place left to turn. The Democratic primary voter will increasingly embrace Hillary's critique of the left and put aside their ideology to support Hillary's view. Even their personal dislike of her will take a backseat to the obvious need for the party to change direction to avert its destruction. Now, this is the perfect play for her, and this is based on 20 years of knowing her. Her entire political career is based on one fundamental proposition, and never forget this when you're talking about Hillary Clinton, that she is the ugly duckling, that she is too unpopular and unlikable and her record too compromised to be elected on her own merit. She knows that, and she always advances masks in some political position that offers her cover. Oh, she's showing courage in the face of marital scandal. She's the first woman to run for president. She stands on Bill's impressive record of achievement. She's standing up and fighting for Obama, even having once run against him. Now she'll advance under a covering barrage against the nutty Democratic left. Not its goals or programs, that would get her in trouble, but against their tactics and lack of pragmatism. Obviously, I know the Clintons pretty well. Hillary is neither bright enough nor sufficiently flexible to invent this play. Mm. But Bill Clinton is. And with him recovered from the Monica, uh, from Monica enough to assert his command in Hillary's orbit, he's going to be in charge. And don't discount how far he can go even carrying this flawed product of his wife. So that's the deal. That's why and how Hillary is planning to advance. Uh, and believe me, I'm the sole source supplier of this kind of stuff, hmm. and uh, and I know what I'm talking about. So you say she's going to run. Well, she's not only going to run, she's got a path to be a serious contender. I'm not saying she'll win the nomination. I'm not saying she'll win the election. But I am saying that she's going to run and recover from obscurity, come out of the woodwork, and be a very strong and viable candidate for the election. And it'll be using this strategy of saying, I'm the only person that can save you from the crazies. I'm the only person that can stop the Democratic Party from going into the disaster of 24 and putting Trump back in office. So you may not like me. You may not think that I'm good. You may disagree with me. But, you know, I'm your your last hope. And nobody else is going to be able to say that because they're all coming on to the left. And they can't afford to alienate the left by saying that – by criticizing them. But Hillary can. And Bill understands that that is a unique selling proposition for his wife, and that's what the whole campaign is going to be based on. She's saying that she has nothing to lose to to do that. Not just nothing to lose, but nobody to compete with. Mm. There's nobody else vying for that space. Buttigieg can't because he needs to stay with Biden, and he's got this this wonderful job doling out money. Mm -hmm. Uh, The blacks can't because it's their program, and the left can't because it's their thing. Right. Uh, so Hillary's right there, and, and she's locked now in a zero-sum game with Biden because of this strategy. As Biden goes down, she will go up, and that's that's just how it falls. That's just what they're planning to do. Now, on another note, the economy is obviously falling apart, but you're only getting half the story now. You're getting the inflation half of the story. The Fed has stopped pretending this is transitory and accepts that it's here to stay and accepts that it's serious and the stats are too much for even Biden to ignore. 
but that's only half the problem, guys. The second half is that the is the first half is the disease. The second half of the problem is the cure. The only cure for the disease is to kill the economy, uh, to send it into recession. The reason you have inflation is too much too much money is out there and people will spend it. The only way to stop it is dry up the money. You could dry it up in two ways, raise taxes, which they can't get through and shouldn't, or raise interest rates so you can't borrow money, can't get a mortgage, can't get a car loan, can't use your credit cards, can't buy anything uh, for less than a very high price. So people don't buy stuff. And as a result, the car companies closed down and the uh, and, and all of the businesses closed down. And people get thrown out of work, no more home construction, and uh, a recession comes. And that's the cure. So if you, if you don't like the disease of inflation, you're really not going to like the cure. And that's what's coming up now, the, uh, the, the cure to this, which is worse than the disease. So protect your assets, for goodness sakes. Call the Patriot Gold Group at 800-356-4470. 800-356-4470. You've got to protect your assets, and, uh, and, and you've got to absolutely wait, out, wait this thing out with your assets protected. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. There is no greater example of stupid. By the way, before I go on, did you hear the ad they just played for 1-800-GOT-JUNK? Well, go to sixteen hundred Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue, guys. I got a lot, a lot of, of work there. for you. <laughs> I can keep you employed for a very long time. <laughs> Drunk luggers. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> that's good. So look, uh, we are. Uh, well, first, let me take some phone calls here about Martin Luther King because we need to spend a little time on him. And yeah. thank God he was there. Uh, let's go to Andrew in New Jersey first. Hey, Andrew. Yeah, Hillary, you're lucky she didn't hit you with the vase. <laughs> she that, uh, maybe she'd be accused of anti-Semitism. Right. But you're right what you said that. Uh, well, she is. She was uh, years ago an anti-Semite. Uh, I don't think she is now. Oh, but she got better? Yeah, she did. She uh, she wasn't used to Jews. She came from Arkansas where there aren't many. And uh, I was probably one of the first Jews she really knew well. Really? And so, for example, I would have – she would invite me for dinner uh, at the governor's mansion. I'd lean in me. And invariably, she would call me with a worried expression saying, oh, Dick, I'm so sorry. I forgot we're serving ham tonight. And I said, Hillary, not all Jews are kosher. I love ham. And then I'd, she'd serve breakfast with bacon, and she'd say, is bacon okay? And I would say, yeah, I love bacon. And from then on, the cook always gave me a huge plate of bacon whenever <laughs> I had breakfast there. She was awkward among Jews. Mm. And then the tip-off was I was fighting with her in 1984, renegotiating my contract. I wanted more money for the next election. And uh, she was fighting me, and Bill was fighting me. And then Hillary blurted out, Money. That's all you people care about is money. <laughs> so I knew what she meant. So I froze and I 
sat up straight and I said, Hillary, by you people, I assume you mean political consultants? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, let's go to Andrew in New Jersey. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Andrew. So MLK, it was a great day in uh, South Orange. I always remember because the black community, we were, you know, together. We were white, but everybody was – but it was especially – you know, like a peaceful day or a happy day. Yeah. But I want to say MLK, the great Republican reverend, he uh, would roll in his grave. I always thought he would be so happy that Obama was elected, great progress, but he would roll in his grave knowing the yeah. progressives caused 68% out of wedlock. Right. In right. his era, it was 9%, so yep. it leapfrogged to almost 70 So he might die like of a heart attack if he knew that. Yeah, well, the uh, single motherhood cause and the collapse of marriage in the black community is probably the single biggest cause of the uh, social dysfunction and crime and drug problems in the black community. And uh, they warned about that. Uh, Pat Moynihan in particular warned about it. Dan Quayle did too, by the way. And uh, and it turns out that it was absolutely prescient. Let's go to uh, Joe in New York. Hey, Joe. Hey, how you doing, Dick? Good. Happy New Year with God's grace. Let's, let's straighten out this country. I just want to make a couple of first points. First of all, Alvin Bragg, he stinks, and you can't brag yeah. about him. Yep. That animal who killed that young girl should get the death penalty. The Fed should step in. And also I want to say, I want to answer a question that you gave at the end of the show a few weeks ago. When that guy from Hackensack, that GI guy, said about the homeless veterans, 50 percent, and the high 13,000 American right. veterans suicides every year. Do you know why there's a housing crisis, Dick? Because many, most landowners will not accept Section 8 or HUD-VASH. HUD-VASH is the Section 8 for honorably discharged American veterans on limited income. That has to be reformed. And with God's grace, Dick, let us all bring an end to the death of 13,000 American veteran suicides. That's one every but, but slow, every slow down, hour. slow down, Joe, because I don't know about this. Educate me. Uh, there was a special program of Section 8 subsidized housing for veterans, you're saying. And you're saying that, uh, that in addition to turning down Section 8 housing, just because they're poor or minorities or whatever, uh, there is a, the many landlords are turning down veterans who are in that category uh, and not using that program, and that should be illegal. That's interesting. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And they that, that is discrimination. One yeah. every hour, Dick, an American veteran, by the time yeah. your show is over, no, another that. American veteran will have committed suicide, God forgive him. I know that. That's horrible. Well, Joe, thank you for the education. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Let's go to George in Manhattan. Hey, George. Hi there. Uh, hi, hi, Mr. Morris. Yeah. Uh, good day to you. Happy uh, Martin Luther King yeah. Day good. as well. Observed uh, let, on let, Monday. But get on, get on with it, George. Today. I got a time problem. Okay. Here's 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 what I'm going to say. Okay. Now Martin Luther King taught us um, peaceful marches, right? Mm-hmm. Peaceful protests and so on. Did it really work, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. Today, today, protests, even burning down cities, because many have believed yeah. that his policies failed, peaceful George, marches failed. George, one let me... One question I have, one question. So let me just answer that. Um, 
Martin Luther King's peaceful strategy in the early days of the civil rights movement worked brilliantly. Think about it. Before that, blacks couldn't stay in public accommodations. They couldn't vote. They had no political power. They, they couldn't go to decent schools. Uh, their entire lives were, dis- were, were, were a little better than, were better than slavery, but certainly nothing approaching freedom. And the genius of Martin Luther King, and by the way of Gandhi, who had the same strategy in freeing India, was basically to apply the, a combat strategy right out of Jesus Christ. He basically said, what would happen if Christ were alive today and were leading the civil rights movement? Would he take out guns and shoot people and knife people? No. What he'd do would be to appeal to their consciences. They're better better angels of their nature, as Abraham Lincoln said in his inaugural speech. Mm -hmm. And he would have their consciences work on them to change them with white people's consciousnesses being uh, being raised and black consciousness being raised about what was being done to them and uh it, it was it worked fantastically and it was really weaponizing jesus christ uh, in in my opinion um which, which was an incredible thing to do um we have uh, you should listen to dominic carter this week weekends at midnight uh, here, Dominic gives his take on AOC getting COVID, too many initials, in Miami. <laughs> AOC tests positive for COVID-19 after partying in Miami, maskless. Do as I say, not as I do. Folks, listen, I do wish the Congresswoman well. I hope she has a speedy recovery, and I think that all of us should wish her well. I just don't agree with her politics. I don't think that her politics benefit the community. But Congresswoman AOC, I hope that you feel better and that you are back full speed as soon as possible. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. So, you need if you need further proof that Joe Biden is stupid, as uh, Donald Trump said, he took his entire administration, every single thing he was doing, every single thing he was advocating, and he put it in two pieces of legislation. Two bills, and he didn't have the votes to pass either one of them, the voting bill and the Build Back Better program. Every program had a title in the Build Back Better thing. He had climate change, he had uh, infrastructure construction, he had charging stations, he had uh, all, everything, you can, all kinds of stimulus stuff, expansion of Medicare, um, the amnesty to illegal immigrants. Every single thing he advocated, he put into that bill. One bill. And he didn't have the votes for it. The idiot. You don't do that. You do it piece by piece. What he should have done is he should have taken a six-month period and said, okay, month one, I'm going to talk about the need for universal daycare. I'm going to tour daycare centers and talk about that. 
for month or two, I'm going to talk about the need for Medicare expansion. I'm going to go talk to people who are in their 50s who are, who are not protected financially, 55 to 65, and talk about the need to expand Medicare for them. I'm going to go to hearing aid centers and eyeglass places and talk about the need for vision and eyeglass coverage. I'm going to go to dentists and talk about the need for dental coverage. And then month three, I'm going to go to uh, places where illegal immigrants are and talk about their uh, talk about their problems, their issues, and try to get some some sympathy for them. I'm going to take each aspect of my program and I'm going to go shop it around. I'll spend a whole month on climate change and talk about the dangers and everything. And after I built that consensus over six months. Then I won't put it in an omnibus program. I'll get votes on it piece by piece by piece mm. because the whole here is worse than the sum of its parts, idiot. The whole adds up to $3.5 trillion, which is what he came in at, and it's been de- being defeated at 1.7. But the bigger the number, the less chance of winning, schmuck. Uh, the, the people don't want that much money. So break it up into pieces. And then nobody has to vote for three and a half trillion. But are you? Would you vote for, you know, half a trillion to provide universal pre-K? Yeah, I guess I would. Would you vote for another half a billion um, to uh, electrify our cars and highways and charging stations? Yeah, probably. And you can pass it that way. But the idiot didn't think of that, and he puts it all in in one big bill, and he doesn't have the votes for it. So. Biden has absolutely given it all away. That is Joe Biden today, just giving it all away. And and he has now reached the end of his first year as president. And it is a, the most disastrous first year of any presidency in American history with two exceptions. Um, one is Herbert Hoover, who had the Great Depression on his watch, started in October of his first year. And the other is... Andrew Johnson, the uh, impeached president who uh, who reversed the Civil War verdict and tried to get blacks back into subservience and supported rehabbing the Southerners, the Confederates. Those were the worst two, first two years. But Biden comes in a narrow third in that. Uh, and when you got 46 presidents, that's, that's qu- quite an accolade. Now, Biden is is so Biden is just just going away, and you have to realize that he is he's what's the song? Slip sliding. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. You know the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away. You know the way to understand how weak Biden is 
is look at what Russia is doing and look at what China is doing. Trump said it best last night in the rally. He said they never would have dared pull this stuff with me. Uh, this never would have happened. Uh, North Korea would not have launched its missiles. Uh, North Korea would not have uh, been – they wouldn't be threatening Taiwan. They wouldn't be threatening um, uh, in any of the moves – the Ukraine, any of the moves that they're making because they would be intimidated by Trump. But nobody is intimidated by Joe Biden. That's what they are. They're bullies. And you know how a bully operates. You stand up to him and he backs down. But he thinks he can get away with it. He just keeps going. Uh, there's a doctrine that Lenin had that uh, that uh, that uh, the current leadership under Putin embraces, which is you take your bayonet and you shove it into the other guy. And if you just feel mush, you keep pushing. But if you hit steel, you back off and you pull your bayonet out. And that lovely, elegant metaphor is really describing Putin's foreign policy. He's a bully. Uh, you know, I know Putin pretty well. Not as I've never met him, but um, one of my gigs is that I've been the consultant for the freedom movement in Russia. Uh, uh, Gasparov, the uh, the chess guys, the head of it, and uh, Karpov, and I um, I worked. I actually worked to elect a slate of members of the Duma in Moscow and Russia in their only free election, which took place uh, in 2002, and it was great. Kids were playing stickball off the wall of the Kremlin. There was a feeling of liberation there that was incredible. And Putin is a bully, and he's he, you can call his bluff. You can make him back off, but Biden doesn't do that, won't do that, and the single biggest threat that Biden had, the one lever that he really, really had was he could have stopped the pipeline. Because he'd gotten Germany lined up to say, okay, we can halt construction. Construction's done, but we can not open the pipeline if he invades Ukraine. And that on the ta- and that's huge because that takes away Putin's personal money. That's how he's. That's how he eats his lunch. He uh, he he's the really the owner of Gazprom, which is the Russian gas company. He owns it to other oligarchs, but it's his company. And this is taking money right out of his pocket. And what does the idiot do, Biden? The first thing he does when there are 100,000 freaking troops at the border about to invade Ukraine is Ted Cruz puts in an amendment saying enforce the sanctions we passed two years ago against companies that helped build this pipeline. And then Biden comes into office and waves the sanctions. First day, waves the sanctions. For what reason? I'll get to that in a sec. Raises the sanctions. And then when Cruz tries to put it back on, he gets the Democrats to mount a filibuster, the F word, and, uh, and, and overcome Cruz's objections and go ahead with paying the companies that are building this. Why, Dougie D? Good question. Because the essence of the State Department and the foreign policy establishment is to prioritize European relations over everything else. And that means basically get along with Germany. 
because Britain is now kind of a separate entity. France doesn't amount to a whole lot at this point, and Germany is Europe. And the, the fear of there being a rupture in the American-German relationship is enormous. Overblown, over-exaggerated, Germany couldn't last five days without the United States, but they're, but they're paranoid about that because that's how they grew up. And uh, and the Christian Democratic Party, which is the half of Germany we like, the other is the Socialist Party that's always been ambivalent about the United States. Willy Brandt, the head of it, wanted to leave NATO, for example. But the Christian Democrats are headed by Gerhard Schroeder, or were for 10 years, and he still runs the place. And he's the head of the pipeline company. Putin put him in charge of the pipeline so he gets millions and millions and millions of dollars a year in salary for this freaking pipeline. And the way they dress their position up is they say, we are going to protect Germany against freezing to death in the winter by making sure that we have gas supplies. And the hell with Ukraine. It's more important for Germans not to freeze to death. Uh, and that's, that's why. Now, closer to home. Eric Adams, you know, we we talked about him during the mayoral election, and I had a very open mind about him. And I liked that he favored the specialized schools like Stuyvesant. I liked that he appeared to uh, oppose the no-bail thing. I liked that he seemed to want to stop this revolving door with with criminals in the street. Uh, I liked that he seemed to oppose police defunding. But then... He just gave it all away. He, the one bill he agreed to pass is the only one they had to pass, which was to screw up the election so no Republican ever wins again. Uh, Just like the Democrats on Capitol Hill, ultimately what they really wanted was their voting act because ultimately that's the key to their power for decades. And if they begin to lose elections, they won't lose elections because they can steal them legally. And Eric Adams has just done the equivalent by letting a million people, potentially, who are illegally in the United States, criminals who entered here illegally, have the right to vote in municipal elections, which he hopes will be a precedent for federal elections. You're giving me a million reasons to let you go. You're giving me a million reasons to quit the show. You're giving me a million reasons. Give me a million reasons. Giving me a million reasons. About a million reasons. If I had a highway, I would run for the hills. If you could find a driveway, I'd forever be still. But you're giving me a million reasons. A million reasons. And, and you know, we're not going to be able to repeal it. Let's say we get sanity and we even elect a Republican mayor. Let's say that. And God knows how we'll do it with a million illegal immigrants. But let's say we do it. To repeal this grant of the franchise to illegal immigrants, you'd have to get it through the city council. And the city council is the most radical body there is uh, because they're each from a local community. They're gerrymandered so the leftists have most of the votes and the blacks have the rest and a lot of the Latinos have their districts. And you'd never get that past the city council. Once you pass the million voter thing and you let them in to vote, hey, it's a self-perpetuating system, you know. Um, I'm here to vote because you let me vote. And if you take away that vote, it doesn't matter. I'm never giving you my vote. 
so, so you get caught in a vicious cycle here, and he knows that. It was the only significant bill that he had to oppose. He could give way on everything else, but this was the whole ball game, and he he just sold out for that. If I'm Al Sharpton or I'm one of those leaders, I'm sitting with him and I'm saying, I don't care that you're against bail. I don't I don't care that you're for bail. I don't care that you're uh, that you want to that you don't want to defund the police. I don't care about any of your positions. Just pass this bill because that way we can run the city forever uh, without particular reference to what New Yorkers, legal New York citizens of New York City, think about it. Uh, unbelievable. Um, so the what's also unbelievable is what's happening with the economy. And uh, it's crucial that you put your assets into gold because the inflation that's coming on has been a disaster and the recession that is the only cure for it is going to be worse. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. You know, I wish I could uh, reach back, in fact, we should have really, and play the segments from the interviews I had with, what was his name, Kendall, the guy running against uh, Bragg. Tom. Yeah. Kenneth. Kenneth, yeah. Kenneth. Kenneth, yeah. Tom Kenneth, I think. Right. Yeah. Who yep. was the Republican candidate against uh, Bragg for DA. And nobody paid any attention to the race. It wasn't a focus because Bragg hid his agenda. And uh, and uh, Kenneth Conniff. Conniff, right, came on and warned us about that. And uh, we talked about it, and we had him on twice, doing our best here to keep New York sane. But Bragg won, and now he's announced in his memo called the Day One Memo, which is that we will not pro- we will not ask for jail for incarceration for a whole series of crimes, including armed robbery. You take a gun into a robbery, hey, you might as well shoot the guy, you know, because they're not going to prosecute you for the gun and uh, and for the armed robbery, yeah. burglary, uh, rape, rape. Uh, the only crime really that he's going to use go for jail time on is homicide, and that I'm sure there'll be all kinds of extenuating circumstances. Absolutely, he certainly horrible. isn't going to go for the death penalty. Absolutely horrible. And uh, it, it's it is just a it's an amazing amazing statement. Now, uh, as usual, my friend Judith from Brooklyn understands the subtleties of the issue and how, how Bragg came to be. Uh, let's go to Judith. Hi. Hey, kid. Hi, Hi. How Judith. are you? By the way, you crack me up. You're hysterical with the junk. Clean out the junk with 1,500 cents. What 800 got junk? <laughs> You've got great sense of humor. I love it. And by the way, if anyone cares about money, it's definitely Hillary for crying out loud yeah, for sure. Hitler. Hitlery. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you should know I can't resist. I call about Alvin Bragg. Yeah, you're right. But I want to just say I can't resist. President, I'm telling to the idiot in the White House, President Trump was never defeated, but he was cheated, okay? There's a difference. Yep. That's how I feel. Now, George Soros funds BLM, Antifa, and I understand 26 states full of these album brag types of these lefty corrupt DAs that protect murderers and criminals. 
So my question to you, Dick, is this. What constitutes treasonous activity? And more importantly, what would you, Dick, suggest to curtail anti-American George Soros? Who he has mo- he's got money like more than sand on the beach. It's like really scary with him. What do you suggest? What do we do with him? Absolutely nothing, Judith. We can't touch him. Uh, free speech, free elections, and all that. Uh, the way we can do it is to beat him and and destroy his career and make sure nobody else follows in his footsteps. And we can do that. Uh, this, this was an ambush, his play, about his first day memo. He hid it during the election and came out with it right after the election. Now, there is something we can do to protect ourselves against this, not against Soros, but against Bragg. The district attorneys in New York State serve at the pleasure of the governor. They're elected by the people. But the governor is allowed to step in and preempt the jurisdiction of any uh, district attorney where he thinks the prosecution is not acting fairly and reasonably. Do you remember back in the 1970s, I think, or even 60s, Tijuana Brawley mm-hmm. with Eric Sharpton? She sure. was a, an African-American woman who – Upstate. Uh, yeah, who said that she had been uh, raped and uh, and was a big thing, and they were prosecuting the guys who who allegedly did it, and uh, everybody was going crazy over the issue. Yeah. And then it turns out that she was making it up, and that she was framing this guy. And uh, the U.S. District Attorney was then charged with prosecuting her for the false statement, and they were dragging their feet. The trial was going on and on and on, and the governor at the time, I forget who it was. It was way before Cuomo. It was uh, Hugh, Hugh Carey, I think, uh, appointed a special prosecutor to preempt the district attorney and take over the case, uh, which he did and adjudicated it fairly. That's what we need to have happen. Hochul or whoever, Hochul the Yokel, isn't going to do that. <laughs> but whoever we elect instead uh, has the opportunity to reverse this. And this has to be the major issue in the gubernatorial race uh, because what Bragg is doing is going to spread like crazy. I'll bet you one after another, every governor and every prosecutor who's on the left comes out and mirrors Bragg's position on jail and, by the way, Eric Adams's position on illegal voting. You're going to see that legal in Illinois. You're going to see it in California. You're going to see it in Massachusetts. Any blue state is going to pass that. Uh, at the state level, they can only do it for state elections, but it'll set up a huge precedent for federal elections, which will build up and become almost irresistible. And uh, the, uh, but it's all starting here with what Bragg is doing. And Judith is so right to say that it goes to Soros and is very dangerous. What is the upswing? What is the benefit of these guys passing that this kind of thing? The uh, well, the million voters they can get elected forever. And the jail, the jail thing, uh, because they're appeasing the radical left. Look, the left does not believe in incarceration. They say that incarceration and jail 
is the new form of white supremacy and slavery. They say that it was designed to make black men not be able to vote, uh, put keep them in prison, and uh, and and keep them there for long years of their lives, and bar them from lucrative jobs because nobody would hire an ex-con. And to a certain extent, they had a case, guys. When marijuana was illegal, uh, the cops would go around busting people for pot, and they would get sentenced on felony charges if it was pot with intent to sell. And that would account for a large portion of our criminal population. But that's over, guys. Uh, the number of people now being held in state and federal facilities, prisons, uh, for marijuana without any aggravating circumstance like violence or anything is near zero at this point. So Good. it's gone. But back then it was a form of disenfranchisement. They call it felony disenfranchisement. And they had a case. But we've changed that. And now they're just using it as an excuse to have a whole lot of other people vote uh, and get themselves reelected ad infinitum. Um, and the danger here is that it's going to spread. Uh, let's go to John in Borgen City. Hey, John. Mr. Morris, pleasure speaking with you. I just wanted to make a quick comment. In an election where a million and a half people vote in the New York City election and in the New York State election, allowing 800,000 non-citizens to vote will will have a generational ramification. New York City is already – excuse me. New York State is already controlled by the progressives. That was made very clear when they took out Cuomo and his brother. And I fear that will be a California-style one-party state within a decade. I just wanted to hear your opinion on that. I think you I think everything you said is right. Not sure your stats are right, but yeah, I think the concept certainly is. And uh and it's it's a very, very serious danger. Um we have to realize that the divide in our country between blue states and red states is now about to become a chasm, the biggest divide in, uh, possible, because the blue states will have their own electorate, their own rules, and will be elected by an electorate with large numbers of illegal immigrants in it. Not the congressmen, not the senators, but the governors and the mayors and the, the legislature, the assemblymen, the Senate, the city council, uh, the DAs, all will be elected with uh, huge numbers of illegal immigrants voting. And in the red states, you'll have an electorate of just citizens. And there's going to be a vast difference in the way they legislate. And uh, now I believe that there is a constitutional argument to overturn the approach that Bragg is taking. The Constitution says that the federal government, the Constitution guarantees states the right to have uh, democratic governments, uh, small d democratic governments, to have democracy. And I believe that if any state became a dictatorship, it would be unconstitutional. And uh, I think you might be able to use that to get this craziness thrown out. But in the meantime, what you got to do in terms of the uh, in terms of the uh, crime stuff is you got you got to override Bragg and have the state step in and take over the prosecutions and say anybody accused of a felony, indicted for a felony, or accused of it because he won't he'll control the grand juries. We're going to take it over and we're going to preempt him. We can't remove him. You're not allowed, but we can preempt him in each case. 
And by the way, the guy who probably would be the one who could spearhead this and do a good job of it is Andrew Giuliani. And uh, in his campaign for governor, he's probably figuring, how do I get my dad's record into my record and into my platform? Great record. And this is the ideal, the ideal way to do that. Let's go to uh, John. We did, John. Let's go to uh, uh, George in Rockland. Hey, George. Hey, uh, so that's my thought. Hillary Clinton and money. I believe that Hillary Clinton... Uh, money was kind of a dried out uh, money goes to the Clinton Foundation here right. and I think this is the reason really why she is running okay I don't think I think she's not stupid I don't think her chance of being elected again uh, probably a very low here but it's a way sure, of okay. getting big donors back into the Clinton Foundation what do you think? Well I think you're, you're right that it's a way of getting big donors back in and in fact the Clinton people announced that they are going to resume the practice which they stopped of having a big celebration when the UN opens in September of 22 uh, and they're going to have a uh, they call it the global initiative dinner and um, and they get people from all over the world coming to the U.N. and they show up at this party and it's a big celebration of the Clinton Foundation. They're going to do that again, start that. They suspended it. And um, and that shows that you're right. But do not underestimate the possibility of Hillary uh, running and winning the nomination. I don't think any Democrat has a prayer in 24 because the country will be so messed up that nobody could possibly vote Democrat. But I think she has a very good – she has a good shot at the nomination. Uh, and I went through earlier the strategy she's going to do. She's going to say the left is savaging the Democratic Party and compromising our chances of winning, and I'm going to stand up against that. So I believe that the – that Hillary has a strategy that could win the, the nomination – She's the sole source supplier of skepticism and negatives about the left. So anyone looking at the Democratic presidential field uh, and who shares the idea that we, they lost the 22 election uh, because of the left uh, isn't going to vote for Buttigieg because he's not going to deviate from it or a black candidate or AOC and a progressive candidate. They're going to go for – they're going to look at Hillary. And uh, and I think it's a brilliant, brilliant strategy. I feel like calling up Bill and saying, this is brilliant. You did a great job. Good for you. Uh, it really is fabulous. Did you have that in your notes that he's probably looking through right now? Yeah, oh, something like that. Something like that. So happy Martin Luther King Day, and God bless you all. Stay warm. Stay warm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Mr. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.